Hello, this is the DVM Divas podcast, and today's hot topic is toxic work environments and how to hopefully make them better. Today, Anne is going to give us our self-care when of the week. Melissa has a new employee training fail. Uh-oh. And I'm going to give you a decor hack that will make your house looking fabulous. Join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, we're more than 60% of the current workforce, but it's also apparent that we've been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making positive changes growth, compassion, and courage. Laugh with us, cry with us, celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine. Hey girls, how you doing tonight? Good. Do I, do I know you? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) It has been way too long. It's been a real hot minute. It's been a while. Yes. Oh my God. So for people who listen to us regularly, which I know you all must because we're amazing. (laughs) Are they still listening? Did they, did they move on? (laughs) We did not go anywhere. Just life has happened. All three of us had major events in our life. So we are still here and we apologize for the delay, but we will be back to our regular schedule soon. Hopefully we'll cross our fingers on that. (laughs) So today we're discussing toxic environments in the workplace. And you know what? We all have it. We've all been there in the veterinary industry. I feel like there's a lot of toxic places. There's a lot of drama that happens, but the whole point is to get out of it. And I'm not talking about leaving your job because that job may actually be really good, but it definitely puts a big mental strain on this. So have you ladies ever been in a toxic environment before? Yeah. You know, I've been pretty fortunate and I haven't had, really had too many. I've had periods that have been sort of stressful and maybe somewhat toxic at times, but we've been able to kind of overcome them. But I I definitely recognize the struggles. And have you ever been in a toxic environment at work? Yeah. And I think it's, there's definitely been toxic like situations or I've been around toxic individuals. I don't know if like I've ever experienced a practice that has like a systemic practice wide toxicity, if that makes any sense. I know when we were talking about this topic, I started to think about it and I was like, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So I have had toxic environments that I had to overcome because, you know, I didn't want to leave the position, but I worked through it and eventually found a job that wasn't toxic. But how did you guys overcome the situations? Because where I was, it was one person. It wasn't just one situation. But how did you overcome these little situations that created that toxic feel? Because sometimes that can stem into something worse. A lot of times it does stem from one individual or a handful of individuals. And I think it's just been getting rid of that person 
or at least talking with that person, you know, at, and I think maybe one of the ways I can speak on that is how we've avoided toxic cultures and been successful at not letting it get to that level of toxicity and recognizing when the team has been stressed or when we haven't been excelling. One of the, I think, most stressful times for us was right after we built our new clinic. And we so we had all of that. We had the whole just stress of building a new clinic, moving everything over, construction, everything. And within a couple of weeks, there was for numerous reasons, we lost, we had four full-time members. We lost three of the four or two of them moved. And I can't remember all the scenarios behind it, but we're just down to kind of our one veteran full-time employee for several weeks. And I know that time sucked, but we knew it was temporary and we had people hired and we just took a little bit of time to get everybody in there. But man, we tried to not overschedule ourselves and give ourselves the grace of knowing that we can only do so much right now and encourage that team member that she was doing an amazing job and try to reflect it in some bonuses and things like that, you know, just trying to please don't leave. All I can think about, you know, when we started talking about this would be our topic today and I was just starting to mull it over. And I think I want to really highlight, Melissa, and what you're saying in the story you're telling. A toxic culture starts at the top. It's all about your owner. It's about your management. That's where it is. And while you knew, Melissa, you knew this rough time was coming, you in all of your power did everything you could to make it suck as least as you could, but that's it. You took control of it. You took responsibility for it. And so if there's a toxic culture, and we're talking culture, not an individual, not a bad day, not this is a culture. So culture to me means long-term repetitive behavior, right? If the culture's toxic, it's the owner's fault. It's the manager's fault. And I'm not saying that to, I'm a lowly associate and I'm not in control of my own being in person and everything. I am. But if that type of behavior has been tolerated for weeks, months, years, that's their problem. As an owner, as a manager, you have to step up and fix it and you have to own it. No pun intended. (laughs) That brings up a great point, Anne, because in the toxic environment that I was in, it was definitely the owner not taking responsibility for the person causing it. So I do think that to stop it, a lot of people say, get rid of the negative person, forget about them. You can always hire some, everyone is replaceable. And that's not really the attitude to have. And I do think Melissa, you brought up a great point is acknowledging what they're doing good. So my biggest thing is that I want my staff to know you guys are great. You're appreciated, especially right now. I really appreciate you showing up every day and doing everything you can, even if something wasn't done. But like you don't bring that something wasn't done in because then that's all they're going to focus on. And I do agree that it starts at the top. It starts from the people managing the employees. And if they can manage them and discuss with them, about their attitude, about what they're saying, about what what they're doing and work with them and fix them. You can change the culture of the clinic. You know, there also have been times where I haven't been great at it. And I think maybe I was teetering on the edge of being that toxic individual because I was definitely struggling with burnout which is, we've talked about that before. And one of the main motivators for for doing things like the podcast and, and blogging and writing and that kind of thing is because I really was in a not great place for a while. 
And I did start to recognize that that was seeping into my performance at work and how, you know, there was a level of tension amongst us. And I hope that I was able to recognize that I was a a source of that. And my negativity was flowing downward and it was up to me to make that better. And I'm not saying I'm a peach every single day of the week when... (laughs) People are going to be commenting from your job. What are you talking about? We, we, we all have our moments for sure. But I know just internally, I am doing better. And I was, I think, fortunate to be able to recognize that and make an attempt to to turn that around. Well, and I think you, I've been listening. I can't, I don't have time to read, right? Nobody does. So I've been listening to a book called Extreme Ownership. It's written by a couple of Navy SEALs. Have you read it, Melissa? I'm not. I've heard the title. I just haven't. Yeah. So it's, it's written by a couple of Navy SEALs. And so for me, it's a little bit different because I'm used to like, used to reading like Ray Ray Hollis and like, <laughs> Girl, you're a badass and like all of those. So like, it's, I mean, and the guys narrate it, like the two Navy SEAL officers narrate it. So it's very masculine. And, but his point is, is that in order to be a good leader, you have to have extreme ownership. So like if your team falls apart, it doesn't matter. It's your fault because your team fell apart. But he goes on to talk about if you can train that into your team and that becomes your culture, everybody takes responsibility for what they did. Everybody works together to come up with that result that they want in order to, you know, quote unquote, win. If it doesn't win, they work as a team to figure it out. And when that starts with the leader, even if your leader is having a bad day, like maybe you were having a bad day, Melissa, your team is so strong and your culture is so ingrained. They're like, we got you no big deal. Here we go, friend. Like, this is how we do. And so I don't know, it's been really interesting to read. And then especially when we were going to talk about it today, I was like, I should mention this book because it's super good. And we will put a link in the show notes to that book. I'm like you, I listen to most of my books now. (laughs) Can I tell you something? I think it's funny. And you know, Melissa reads and you asked Melissa if she read it. (laughs) No, I don't read. No, I asked her because I saw her nod. She nodded. She was like, oh yeah. And I was like, oh, did you read it? You're lucky I have time to read anything. (laughs) I'll send you like the highlight. But so you said that the team bringing you up when you're going down also and working as a team. So for myself as when COVID hit, I was very, like you guys saw how I was. I was very nervous and I felt that I wasn't getting the support that I needed and I was breaking down. And during that time, it's my team and the staff and the other doctors, they are what held me up to continue going and make sure that they were good. So I do think that like, yeah, the leader can always break down the leader can always, maybe they're the ones causing the issues. You know, Melissa, that you're saying like you were feeling into that, but as long as you have that core and that solid team, they would recognize it, bring you up. So that way you really don't fall. What do you guys think are some specific things that contribute to a toxic culture? Maybe things that you have experienced off and on. Uh, Maybe you've had colleagues or classmates or friends that you've talked to or have, you know, read about certain, I know I'm chatting at conferences and going to different meetings and definitely have heard of some things that I think contribute. What do you guys think are some, some things, you know, have experienced or heard of, and, and maybe have some suggestions on how that could be improved. I know right around, you know, in the thick of COVID when we were all slammed. So we, I think, I don't know if I ever told you guys one day we got 86 calls in an hour. Oh my gosh. What? In an hour. 
for us, adjusting to this new demand has been really hard. It's been hard from the front of the hospital to the back of the hospital, from the top to the bottom. Like it's just been hard. We've had a lot of big growing pains, which is totally a blessing. But when by 10 a.m., when I started at 7.30, I've already seen two emergencies and they've got six more planned for this afternoon on top of already full schedules. Like WTF, Batman, like what do we do, right? So then, you know, if people are sick, they're not coming in or maybe they would have before, but now they're not just in case it's a sniffle and just in case it's COVID, you know what I mean? Which is valid, but there's all these new stressors. And so I know one thing we've started is you don't have to be there at 7.45 in the morning, but if you are scheduled to work the first shift of the day, we have a team huddle at 7.50 and it's whatever managers are there, whatever receptionists are there, whatever doctors, technicians, Kennel help. Everybody meets up front. It's like, all right, this is what's happening today. We're down two technicians, or we're down a kennel assistant, or the manager called in sick, but she's going to answer phones from home. Like, this is what's happening, and this is how we're adapting. And that I feel like has been really helpful because all of a sudden the front knows that us and back are running with four short technicians. So they're cutting us a little extra grace. Um, we know the surgery team is down a human. So, you know, we're checking on them. And so I think that's really helped. It's decreasing a lot of that bickering and a lot of that tension that was building. And it's helping us to feel more like a cohesive team. And then when the other doctors and their teams come in later, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, so-and-so's down to tech, we're all sharing. Or, oh, hey, by the way, like we've got an extra doctor today, we're all sharing rooms. There's a little bit more fluidity to it, which I think has been nice. I think even before COVID, a lot of it has to do with others not seeing what people are doing. Like you're saying, having huddles in the morning. So like what she's saying, like the front knows what's going on in the back. But I've seen a lot of the problems stem from this person's doing that while that person's doing that. They're really not seeing what each other are doing. And then this one thinks that one's doing less than that one. And I'm just like, oh my God. But I think a lot has to do with that. It ha- it's a high stress environment. I mean, now the clients are screaming and yelling just because they're stressed out, which is coming down on the staff. It's like the chain of screaming, which is making the stressors high. You know, it's a tight knit quarters. I mean, uh, come on now, the no matter what hospital you are in, it's small for the amount of people that are there, you know. I feel like it's just the stress that comes into the job. You know, I see a lot of people say, well, you should pay your staff better. Yes, they deserve to be paid better, regardless of where you are. But whether they're paid $10 an hour or whether they're paid $50 an hour, it's still a very high stress job. And it's something that regardless of, it's just going to be there and recognizing when it's happening is the best way to stop it. And like Anne said, having those huddles or having a group meeting or something is really important to know what everyone's doing because people just feel like I'm doing more than this person. So they must be not doing anything. And they're only seeing that one time that they picked up their phone. Yeah. Communication. I mean, we've gone over this in other episodes. It's It really is just so important. And I think those team huddles are excellent, excellent examples of how you can kind of break some of that. And we don't do it formally, you know, where we have a set time. I do like to be able to kind of look at the schedule and you know, sit down when I first get in the morning, kind of look at what's coming up and what's going on. And I'll even look ahead a day or two. Also, I just, I'm always doing that. And then trying to communicate then with the team. It's like, okay, we've got this one coming in and we've got that one coming in. I might need more time scheduled for this appointment than what we have on 
the books for it and, and just kind of making sure I talk to everybody and say, this is the expectation that I have or what I'm going to need to be able to hopefully get through this. And just, I think if I don't say that and I just kind of internally bitch and moan and gripe like, oh, I can't believe they scheduled it, things like that. Well, they're going to schedule it how I train them to schedule it. So again, that's on me. So if I need things scheduled a particular way, that's on me to explain it, not bitch about it. <laughs> you know, I try to be conscious of that. I'm not excited. Again, I am not perfect. And certainly when things get crazy and they get hectic and we're overbooked, I know that I don't use as much patience as I need to, and I should, but I think scheduling is such a huge trigger for so much of this where people are overbooked and they don't have time. They don't have time to think. They don't have time to chart. They don't have time to make calls. They don't have time to just digest a case and look at the blood work. And I don't know what the answer is on that. I think it's very easy just to say, well, don't, don't overbook yourself. Don't schedule that many cases. Well, then you've got 15 clients yelling at you on, on the other end of the phone. And, and a lot of them are legit animals that need to be seen and we don't want to turn them away. And we don't want to just turf them to all the emergency rooms because we know they're overworked right now too. And so we fall into this, well, if I don't see him, who is? And we kind of bring it on ourselves sometimes. And then we find out that, holy crap, we're struggling, we're drowning. And I think a lot of things, we need to set boundaries. I don't know if it's better with the scheduling, with scheduling wellness and all that stuff out a couple of weeks, but we do need to set boundaries because if you don't set the boundaries, you're going to be overworked. You're going to be understaffed for what you have. Like it's one thing having one tech for 30 appointments versus having three techs. I can bang those things out like you wouldn't believe. You need to schedule for what you have. And I, it sucks telling someone they can't come in when the pet needs to come in. It sucks. And I wish the clients understand, like, I feel horrible. I feel bad. But like, it comes a point where I need to keep the staff happy and engaged versus burnt out and walking out the door. You know, the other thing I think is a big thing that happens in the vet industry. I know a lot of the stuff starts from the leader. And this is something that may help some places is letting everybody feel like they have a voice and letting them talk and hearing them out. Don't just say, oh yeah, okay, I understand that turning around and walking away, but legitimately addressing what they're talking about. Because I feel like a lot of people, even para or receptionists or even associates, they can talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's just talking to a wall. That's it. And that's not okay because they legitimately have concerns that could make the practice better because they're deep down in. Not to say that leaders aren't, but these are the staff that are front with your clients and they're deep into it. And I think if the leaders actually listen to them and show that they were trying to make it better and show that they appreciated them and they understood it and tried to offer solutions for it, it would make them feel much better that they actually care about them. And a lot of the times people just want to know that your boss actually. Oh, for sure. I think you're going to take it a step further too, Maria, because I know from being a boss previously, I got really frustrated when I got all the problems and was just told to fix it. And I was like, I'm not up there. I don't know how. I can't answer my own phones for two days to understand exactly what you're going through. Like I've done it in the past, but I can't sit up there right now and do that. And so 
I know where I work now and a few other people I've worked with, they've gotten really good at like, okay, what should we do to fix it? Not kicking it back to the employee because they, we expect the employee to fix it, but you're there. You have better ideas than we will ever have. And so having that communication though, it's a two-way street, right? You're both bringing ideas to the table, but then that owner being willing and able to try the ideas that the employees bring to them yes. and encouraging them to do that. And I think that's you know a big part of it too, is then all of a sudden you're a team. Like, yes, your boss is invested in you, but you get to fix what you're doing every day. You get to fix your problem, if that makes sense too. Have you ever listened to like the staff talk about how to fix problems? And have you noticed that a lot of their solutions are much better than what their boss would have come up with? Like it's, it's amazing. It's, it's not really amazing. Well, let's be honest. They're right down in the middle of it, but it's like for the bosses that don't listen to them, no wonder it's a toxic environment. Well, I know one thing that we definitely struggle with, and I'm sure my team will definitely a thousand percent agree with this, is that there's basically three bosses in our practice and we do not have the same opinions on pretty much anything. And so there's definitely times where I want something done one way, my two partners want something done in their way. The poor like employees are like, what do we do? And, you know, and I can see how that would be horrible for them. And I and I know times when we have had a, the most stress in the clinic have been in those situations. And like we keep saying over and over and over again, that falls on us. That is up to us to fix. We need to come together as the owners first and probably best done privately in many situations and not in the middle of treatment. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, get our consensus down of, okay, what is our policy going to be? It, and sometimes it's hard because we can all feel very passionately about some protocol or some something and nobody wants to be the one to, to change. You know, there've been a few times where we've, we finally just said, you know what, I'm going to do it this way he's going to do it that way. And we're just very transparent about it. And we both, we have to agree that, all right, you do you, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff. But I know that makes it hard for the team when there is not that consistency. So I encourage all the other bosses and managers and owners and everything out there that please do what you can to avoid it because it definitely is a huge source of stress. Yeah, that's one thing in the hospitals that I worked on. The doctors came together and tried, tried <laughs> to do everything the same. It doesn't always happen like that. But I will say, and this is something that I've always told everyone in any practice that I was like higher up and not just an associate. I always told people, I will try anything that you bring to me if it's not going to hurt an animal or a person. But if it doesn't work in this hospital, it's can. So I'll try, I'll give anything a try because I feel like I should. Why not? I don't know everything. I know not all of our listeners are owners. And I know we've kind of hit a little heavy on the owner side of this responsibility equation. Um, do you guys have any ideas for people who may be associates? Speak up. Look, I am the person that you can tell anything to. And a lot of my associates have come to me and they've spilled everything to me. And you know what? When they did, I can fix it or I can help them. But I have had associates or like para that had previous managers they couldn't speak up to. So when they came to me, they would, everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, I know everything's not fine. Talk to me. And it took 
many months. And I had one para, her cat passed away, called her. I said, Hey, can you come in today? We're short staffed. And she said, sure. And she broke down at the computer. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, my cat passed away this morning. And I'm like, then why are you here? And she was like, well, you guys needed me. I was like, right. But if you just told me your cat passed away, we would have ran short because you feeling better is better than you coming in here. Like you need time for that. And she goes, I've never had somebody say that to me. I was like, you need to talk to me. You need to tell me things going on because you know what? Your life is first, your job is second. And so like opening that door of communication is extremely important and having the owner or the boss or whoever accept it is just as important. It needs to be a two-way streak. But if you don't speak up, it's never gonna change. And I'm gonna add to that, speak up, yes. But kind of like what Ann was saying earlier, don't just go to your bosses and managers and owners with all the problems. Try to come with at least a couple potential solutions because it gets very hard. And again, I don't want to be like, oh, the poor boss, the poor owner. I'm just kind of speaking from where I'm at and you know that my experience is. But it's hard to be the person who has to fix all the problems all the time. And whether you're the practice manager or the office manager or the lead receptor, whoever has, somebody generally probably takes on that role in a practice or a, a few people probably take on that role. And it's, it's tough to be that person, you know, and if that person is one of the doctors, then you're, you're fixing all the problems for the clients. You're fixing all the problems for the team. If you're a parent, you're fixing all the problems for your children when you get home. I mean, it, it gets hard. And so. If you can come to that person and say, look, this is a problem. We're experiencing this. This is something that's causing some stress. Here are some ways that maybe it could be better. And yes, as the boss, quote unquote, you need, like we said, you have to be open to that. You have to give them the chance to say those things and consider those things. But if you're just going to complain, that's not helpful. And it's certainly not helpful to just go complain to the other associates and the techs and everybody else. I mean, if you want something fixed, go to the person who can fix it, but don't just expect them to magically fix it right away without contributing to that solution. And the other thing, like you said, I'm going to take part of what you said. Don't expect them to fix it right away. Regardless of what it is, everything takes time and understand that it might not be fixed tomorrow, but it may be fixed next week. It just takes time to go through the process and figure out what's going to be the best solution. But coming up, even if it's not the right plan, coming up with something to show that you're trying to take the initiative to help fix it because they're not in your situation is helpful. So I know one thing that we did, um, I know a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, one of my technicians and I were sitting there talking and I was like, oh my gosh, did you just hear us? Like we're complaining about everything. We're always the two positive people. Like every day you and I, like we're always positive. And lately I feel like we haven't been. And she's like, oh my God, I know what's wrong. What's wrong with us? And I was like, I don't think anything's wrong. I think this is just what's happening. So she and I decided to be accounted like happy buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and so like throughout the day, I would just look at her and make a goofy face or she would come in and like have a song on her phone and make me listen to it. Or like we just took care of each other all day. And it was amazing how infectious that was. Like all of a sudden, because we weren't on the same team that day, but all of a sudden like, the two people that were with me were a little perkier than what they were when they walked in the door. And her team was a little perkier too. And one of the other doctors was like, what are you guys doing today? Like, have you 
crack cocaine like what are we on <laughs> we're like nothing we're just is there a margarita machine in the break room right she's like where are the monacos like something's <laughs> happening we're like no like we came in today literally said we are not having a bad day we will not let this happen and we didn't and granted you can't do that every day because crappy crap happens but just having that accountability buddy and even on days she wasn't at work she'd text me and be like are you having a good day you better have a good day or i'm gonna kick you in your shin like it was just little things like that and it would make me laugh and i'm like okay you're right like i'm gonna put a smile on my face i'm gonna have a good day and it helped a ton a ton a ton there's a time and a place for venting and we all need to be able to do that. Yes. From, I mean, we need that. I mean, there is something kind of therapeutic about that, but there has to be a limit and there has to be an end point to it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember I read or heard, or there was a meme, something somewhere. I think it was a relationship between like, two girlfriends or two friends and just always complaining about their spouses or just always complaining about something just where the whole nature of the relationship just came to be about complaining. And it was something along the lines of, do you always want to be the person who holds the trash can for somebody else's emotional vomit? Mm, that's a good one. And, you know, and I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't make somebody catch my emotional vomit and I shouldn't be, you know, like you have to set a limit on it and have to start recognizing when it just goes from simple venting to toxic thoughts and that downward spiral. And I guess one question I have is when do you know it's time to walk away? When do you recognize that you've done the things you've attempted to go to your boss as an associate, I'm going to say as an associate or a technician or, or something. Something and you recognize that you are in a toxic environment, when is enough enough? When do you find some other option? When the leadership won't step in. So when you realize that whether they don't know how, whether they don't care, or whether they're just like, whatever, they're just complaining, I'll just fire them. That's when you realize this isn't a good place. You know, it's not, you need somebody above you or above them that cares about them. Look, we all need to make money, but it's not about the money. It's about the people. You make the people happy. You give them what they need. I didn't say what they want. You give them what they need. I'm just making that clear. You put the time and you invest in them. They will be happy, which in turn will make your clients happy, which in turn will the money and everything will come. But if you have somebody that's not going to invest in the people and not going to care for them, it's time to go. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are a ton of places hiring. So you (laughs) will have a job. So don't think you won't. (laughs) So I want to know, but put a time on it because, or give me an idea of a time because I understand what you're saying completely. And I totally agree. But if somebody's listening who feels like they might be in a toxic environment, how long do they know? You know, because we just asked them to give us as owners or managers. There's no time limit. It's hard to give a time. If you have a manager that you go to and you say, this is what's going on. This is the concern. This is the problem. And they say, oh, well, they're not going to fix it. If you say, okay, let me work on it. And then you follow up with them in like two weeks and say, hey, what's going on? You know, blah, 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 blah. And you talk to them. You should have that open communication where you should know. If they tell you it's going to take me six months to hire an associate, to get them trained, to get them good with the staff, give it the six months. Or it's going to take 
a year to help me fix this concern, give it to them. But if it's something just having the conversation with somebody, that shouldn't take six months. Yeah. I think some of it, well, some of it may depend if you're under contract. If you've got a year long contract and you're, you know, obligated. I give it a year. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. When it comes time for contract negotiations, then that's something that you need to be prepared to say, you know, and I would hope that this don't please, 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 please don't go to your bosses at the time of contract negotiation and just blindside them with all of these things that have been bothering you for the last six months. That's not the time because you're not going to see the results that you want. It will not happen at that moment. So if you have some legit things that you are thinking, you know, these might be deal breakers for me. I may not be able to stay here. Give your employer some time to do something about it. You know, I would say, yeah, gosh, minimum of two months, depending on the size of the the problem, two to four months, you know, if, if you're in a contractual type thing, if it's just personalities, that's a much different thing. If you're just looking around and everybody you're working with, well, if everybody else is the problem, that's probably um, you, you. <laughs> I, yeah, I hate to, oh, odds are. <laughs> You're not the only gem in the building. So, but if you, if you're in an environment where your personality just doesn't mesh with everybody else, and it is just strictly a personality thing, you're not going to change people's personalities. So if it's not in you to be there, you know, and I guess in that might be easier said than done because you're always going to have personality conflicts. You're never going to be somewhere where everybody gets along perfectly. But if you have personality conflicts and the leadership is not there to help navigate that and help mitigate that, that's a big red flag. Because if that le- if leadership cannot recognize personality conflicts and is not going to do anything about it, that will never change. Not under that current leadership, most likely. So do you guys have anything else to add for different ways that associates or owners can handle toxic environments to solve it versus they just walk out the door? Can you think of anything like awesome or memorable that either you have done or you have had done for you? Anne kind of mentioned her happiness buddy, but you know, or something that's happened that has been a boost to the team or to you that you can like, oh, that was awesome. That was fun. That was creative. That kind of helped ease the toxic negative culture. Has there been a fun bonus or or something? I'm sorry. I had a laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't have it from above. We had it from within. So what we did is the staff and I created the environment ourselves. And I understand that it comes from leadership, but when you don't have the correct leadership there, you have to sometimes create it yourself. So we did it ourselves and we took it upon ourselves to make that happy environment that we were craving. There's one technician that during COVID, I was absolutely upset that she wasn't there because every day she came in, It was this huge smile. It was the music that she played, the happiness, the just her vibe made it better. That helped me a lot, especially with the nasty clients. Oh my God, those clients were just, but what we did is we did it from within what made us happy, what made us get through the day, especially during COVID. And there's lots of little things you can do, but it depends on the team. You know, there's times when people stepped in and did little things for us, like, One time someone bought us hot chocolate when our heat broke in the dead of winter in Jersey, which is kind of hard, but it took four months for that to happen. So it kind of negates the heat broken. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. So there's a few more. Um, where I work now, you know, we have our very regular staff meetings. We have very regular doctor meetings, reception meetings, manager meetings. So each like group or team meets pretty regularly. We as a whole meet pretty regularly. And at every meeting is like, every time I'm like, I know what our mission statement is. I know. But it's a huge deal. And like, it's one of the things we really emphasize to employees as they come in. That was created by our team. That wasn't created by our owners. It wasn't created by our management team. It was created by us. Um, Everybody from the top to the bottom. So that's one of the really cool things that they do. Another cool thing that I've seen done is when there are good months, there's extra cash that goes home on your paycheck. We do that. Like That's a direct... Mm -hmm. You worked your butt off. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not saying that cookies aren't great. I'm not (laughs) saying that pizza lunches are not appreciated. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying in the time of COVID when everything is so uncertain and spouses are staying home and not getting to work and kids are driving you nuts and everything else. And oh, by the way, you still have bills to pay, but your hours have been cut. A little extra cash goes a long way, goes a long way. That was a good one. And then I think absolutely recognizing your employees. Like I know for me, recognizing that they've done a good job, whether it's bringing them food, because everybody loves food, but like just recognizing them in some way, anything, bring them. I'm telling you, food is the best thing besides money. Just bring them lunch. I mean, they most, most of the time they eat out anyway. You might as well just bring them lunch. From doing relief work. And so, you know, I didn't always have the same team and I wasn't always in the same practice and the cultures were all as different as the owners that own them. I know for me, there came days where I was like, that's it. Like, I can't handle the negativity here. I can't do this. So I was like, okay, what are three things that I can do in the middle of a workday that will make me happy to bring my morale up so I can be the positive voice? One is a random dance party. (laughs) It just makes me happy. Moving my body, dancing around to a stupid song makes me happy. I had staff members walk in on me more than once, rocking out in the barn by myself. They're like, what the heck are you doing? And I'm like, (laughs) dude, I can't be in there. Y'all are too negative right now. I just need a minute. I need a minute to like shake it off. That was one thing. Coffee, fancy coffee makes me feel better. So like I might run out at lunch and get a coffee and sit in my car and jam out to a song or listen to an audio book or something. Yeah. Or I think the last one was, um, oh, pictures on my phone. Oh, I flipped through yeah. and did, like our last camping trip or something. That was just something that was like, okay, this is okay. My life is great. I love my life. This is just a moment in time. Let's go. So, so we've done some of that similar stuff. We do weekly meetings. Every employee has a certain stat that they track, um, a business stat. So if it's how many new clients do we have this week? How many doses of heartworm preventative do we sell? How many heartworm tests did we do? You know, we have you know, just a whole list of stats that everybody has something that they go in and run the report and just report it to the group and we keep a shared spreadsheet on it. And then at the end of the month, there's eight things that we track. And I think if we get at least five of those things, then everybody gets a cash bonus on their paycheck that month. We want everybody to feel like they have a contribution to the practice and that they are important. And so they do play a role in all of those things. So if we achieve our goals as a practice, they do get some financial reward for it as well. And like you said, Maria, though, not that money is everything, random things like that. To show you appreciate them. 
You know, another thing that we did, it was actually, I can't say it was a, a bonus, but it was very interesting is we had like a lunch and learn. Actually, it was more than that. It was, we had a couple hours blocked off for it. We had, a, um, we did like a clinic-wide personality assessment, the DISC profile. Everybody had their DISC profile run. And then we all got together. It was, you know, over an afternoon and we had a, like a moderator that came in and did all of it and went over. So it was a lot of fun. And, and I think somewhat helpful just to kind of really see it on paper. Like, this is what my personality style is. This is what you're, you know, and how we interact with each other and how, you know, ways that it is maybe I like to be communicated with and validated in this way. And she likes to be validated this way. And I would love to see more of that happening kind of industry wide. As an owner, I, I know what I need in an employee. I mean, I know what I need the job, what I, what needs to happen. And there's definitely certain personalities that are more suited to certain roles. I fully, fully believe, and I will stand by this, if you put somebody in a position that does not suit their personality, they will be miserable and you will be miserable. And you will spend so much time with that one person trying to get them where you need them to be and they're going to resent it and they're never going to perform up to their potential. If you could have just recognized from the get-go that that individual is not meant for that position, you would have saved everybody some heartache. Do you guys have any such other suggestions for owners or associates to deal with toxic environments, how to handle them? You know what? I have to say this. If anybody has any other suggestions, you can comment on any one of our social media profiles. You can even email us back privately once you sign up for a newsletter that comes out when we release a podcast. If you have more to, to say about this topic and you have some I'm, solutions, if you have solutions that have worked, shout out to us. And, you know, we would love to share them with, with as many people as possible. So today we talked about toxic work environments and how a lot of times it starts at the top, but you really need to own your own negativity. And Anne brought up a great statement that uh, came from the book Extreme Ownership, which definitely will or will be a link in the bio. In order to be a leader, you have to have extreme ownership. So I think that's a big thing that we need to take away from this. The other thing is communication is key. You know, we work in a very high stress environment, but talking with your leaders, talking with the staff is very important and having that open communication. We always need to work as a team because that's basically what we are. We are a team in our work. As a leader, we always recommend giving your team a voice, giving the associates someone that they can come to so that they feel like they're actually being appreciated, that they are cared for, that what they're doing actually matters. And when you are going to your boss, don't just go to complain, but go with some sort of solution or some way that you can come up with a solution, even if it's not the right one. Your boss is not in your situation, so it's really hard sometimes to figure out how to solve the problem if they're not going through it. And on an end note, show everyone appreciation. So on that note, why don't we start out with Melissa's new employee training fail? Seems appropriate given the topic, right? 
So we have high schoolers that are basically our kennel assistants. They come in after school, they help with the boarding dogs, they help on the weekends. It's not a glamorous position. So we've had several that have graduated high school. They're going off to college. We've had to train some new ones. And one young lady started on Tuesday, very first day, very excited. She's just like, her mom texted me. She's so excited. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. She came in in the afternoon and it was one of those, I was swamped. I was like two appointments deep. I was had my face in the microscope when she got there. And the girl who was existing employee who was there already working, she's A plus employee. She's a great worker. And I said, okay, are you okay with just hanging out with, I'm going to use Mary and Jane, <laughs> not their real names, Mary, the existing employee, Jane, the new employee. I say, Jane, are you okay just going with Mary and watching her in the back as she's cleaning kennels and runs and just kind of observing and job shadowing? Yep, yep, they're both great. Okay, awesome. As soon as I get caught up with appointments, we will sit down, go over paperwork and some other things. Okay, great. 30 minutes later, uh, my technician comes up. She's like, um, Boone just bit Jane, one of our regular boarding dogs, a dog that's always there. Well, apparently they were going to put some eye drops in and he turned around and snapped and bit her. So here she comes up, hand bleeding. And I'm like, oh, geez. And this was not a little dog. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. High schooler, first day. I wasn't even in the room when it happened. And she's got like punctures on both sides of her hand and they're bleeding. And she was a trooper and she was not like freaked out or anything like that. We washed it off, we wrapped it, put ice on it, called her mom. And of course, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon by the time mom gets there. And, you know, we make decisions whether or not, well, she needs to go to the doctor and that kind of thing. It was fine. The family was not freaked out. She was not freaked out, but I felt like the worst boss high schooler. I was not there. I was like, it's on me that this girl got bit. I mean, she had not been trained to be helping restrain dogs and somehow she got put into that situation unbeknownst to me and she's bleeding. But fortunately, she did not need any stitches or anything like that, but also failed because I did not call the owner of the dog who was boarding that afternoon. I did not call to let her know, hey, by the way, your dog bit, you know, not that we were mad at the dog or her. We just needed to let her know that that happened. And we, that slipped through the cracks did not happen. When the girl went to the doctor, the doctors are mandatory reporters of dog bites to health department and police department. Apparently <laughs> police department then starts somehow like demanded records of this dog at one. I was off work the next day. I wasn't even there. And the one officer thought it was my personal dog that had bit this girl and came in. And I'm hearing all this the next day from everybody who was there. And they're like, he came storming in and was demanding to speak to you and the records on, because he thought your dog had bit her. I mean, it was just this whole like disaster of a situation. And then they were calling the owners who were on vacation saying, your dog has to be quarantined at the pound. And the owners are like, what is going on? <laughs> it was not well, not handled well. And I definitely take responsibility for all of it. <laughs> Thank my team for putting up with it because I was off work when a lot of it went down. That was my fail. <laughs> Melissa, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Gold star for your team for not calling you. Yeah, I can't believe it. For sure. They handled it. They did. And I, and one of the, my partners was there too. So, but he was just like, at one point I thought I was going to jail for obstruction of justice. <laughs> I can't 
can't believe I still don't believe they called you. They didn't. I mean, they didn't call you. I don't believe they didn't call you. At one point, I'm like, why didn't you call me during all of this? But I'll hand it to her. I think she's going to be a great employee. She was there all smiles the very next day, bandage on her hand, ready to work. And so you got to keep her. Even when it happened, right after it happened, and I said, well, why don't we go over the paperwork while we're waiting for your mom to get here? She's like, okay. And so we're going over all of our training documents and all that kind of stuff a little after the fact, but, and then we kind of got through it. Her mom still wasn't there yet. She's like, well, is it okay if I go help Mary clean? Do you want to? She's like, well, I don't want to just sit here. Oh my God. Okay. I'm like, if your hand doesn't hurt and you feel like you want to, just please don't touch any dogs. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way to say, but that was a fail on multiple aspects on my part. I, I don't know what to say, Melissa. I don't either. I just hope she is okay. She is. She's great. Yeah, she's good. Okay. She's good. Well, if she's listening, I hope her <laughs> and doing much better. <laughs> and let's all learn from Melissa's. Fail. Yes, please. Today. Please, 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 please. So I do want to end with when today. So we're going to hold off on Anne and we'll go into my hack. Um, so when... We've moved a lot, and when we've moved, we've always put multiple holes in the wall um, just by hanging stuff because, honestly, I get frustrated I if it's not perfect and then I have to make it perfect. I don't know what it is. It must be the personality of a veterinarian. So what I came up with is if you put toothpaste on the back part of where you would put the nail and you put the picture exactly where you want it, and you pull the picture right off the wall, you'll see the toothpaste where the nails have to go. And so then you put the nails in the wall, don't forget to wipe the toothpaste off of everything, and then you hang the picture. That is pretty genius. I think it's genius. And we did it in this house, and every picture came out perfect. Now, if you want to see this hack in live (laughs) view, Don't forget to follow me on TikTok at Maria (laughs) Botinez DVM. Now, I know a lot of people don't understand me, so let's just spell that out. (laughs) M-A-R-I-A, B as in boy, O, T as in Tom. (laughs) I can't do it without laughing. T as in Tom, I, N as in Nancy, A as in Apple, S as in Sam, DVM. And you'll see it on my little thing. Oh, and follow me while you're there. You know, I, I will say I made you show me the video because when you, when you messaged that earlier today, I'm like, what are you talking about toothpaste and pictures? And then he sent the video and I was like, ah, okay, I get it now. I saw a similar kind of thing the other day where somebody, okay, for those of you who are listening, I know you can't see me, but for Anne and Maria, see those two screws behind me on the wall right there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's supposed to be a, a little floating shelf right there. Mm-hmm. One of those screws is like a 16th of an inch off. So they don't fit into the holes on my shelf. Did you know, Melissa, if you put toothpaste on the back of it and put it on the wall, you wouldn't have had so, that issue. The other thing that I, somebody suggested again, after the fact would have been helpful to know beforehand is if you take a strip of blue painter's tape and put it on the back of your little shelf and then poke holes where the screw holes are supposed to be, and then stick your painter's tape on your wall you will know where your holes are supposed to be. And you could even level it because the tape would be, oh. Oh my God, that's even better than my hack. So again, wished I would have known that before I put those two screw holes in. One of those is in a stud. So, uh-huh. So toothpaste, painter's tape, who knew? Not me, obviously. <laughs> All right. 
And let's finish this off with a when. So you have a self-care when from this weekend, correct? Yeah. So I have a pretty epic husband who realized that his wife was maybe not doing as well as she normally does with, I don't know, kids, work, all the things. And we were talking about what we were going to do for the weekend. And he wanted to go pick huckleberries, which huckleberry picking is like my all time favorite thing. Have either of you eaten huckleberries? Not knowingly, no. Mm -mm. You would know because it's a big deal out West. Okay. And they're a big deal in Idaho. Big deal. So it's kind of like a blueberry. Okay. But they're a little bit smaller and they're purple in color and they have a little bit different flavor, but they're like the best thing on the planet. Grew up eating them all the time. So they were all going to go huckleberry picking. And I was like, I just, like, it just didn't sound fun. Which is probably another red flag to you. Or something that normally is amazing doesn't sound fun all of a sudden. And that was, yeah, that was Kirk's point. He's like, we're going to pick huckleberries. <laughs> do, do you hear, listen, listen, huckleberries. And I was like, okay, I, yeah, it's going to be great. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take the kids. Um, he's got a really good friend who's a good friend of ours too. And his wife wasn't going to go this weekend either. And so he's like, the boys are just going to take the girls, the little girls, and we're going to go take them away. We're going to go pick huckleberries for the weekend and we'll see you on Sunday. That's awesome. Really? Are you sure? Like, I'll keep the little one. It took about 24 hours for me to be like, okay, okay, yeah, okay. And then I didn't really believe him until I called him Friday <laughs> afternoon and he's like, okay, we're getting ready to go out of service. I have all three kids. See you later. So it was cool. It was pretty fun. That's awesome. That is awesome. What'd you do all weekend? Like, were you bored? No. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I was like on one end of the spectrum. I was like, I'm going to go out and like do all the things, but it's like <laughs> COVID. So you can't really go out and do all yeah. the things. You know what I mean? But I was like, I'm going to go see all my friends without kids. We can have conversations. Like, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. But then I was like, I just want to sit on my couch and not talk to anyone for hours. Yeah. Is that what you did? I did both. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. I probably would have sat on my couch and just... I did. I did for, I don't know, so a good jealous. chunk of the weekend I did that. And then, yeah, a few evenings, I have friends that like I see at work. So I hung out with them outside of work and we had fun. And then one of our best technicians actually just moved to El Paso today. Mm. So we were very sad. But I, so I went and hung out with her and like helped her clean her house. Which I don't know how much cleaning we did because there may have been adult beverages involved. <laughs> So we were real good when we started, but towards the end of the day, we tapered off. But that sounds amazing, Anne. I'm really it was like, good. It was weird. I did fine all day. Like I woke up okay. It was bedtime. Bedtime when like there's that pre-bedtime like snuggle yeah. on the couch session at our house. And then there's the chaos of like, I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. I have to pee. I need water. And it was quiet. And I was like, I can't be here. So I like went for a drive. <laughs> Oh my God. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a really nice relaxing weekend though. It was good. I feel like I'm much more capable human. Yes. Sometimes we all definitely need that. We need that. And we love our family. We love our children, oh, for sure. but we just need that space. And I don't know how many of our listeners have been having like work at home situations here in the recent months. I think they're feeling that even more because even at home, for like sure. they can't get away from anybody. And so mm -hmm. 
So I hope that for those of you in that scenario, and if you are living in an area where you're still very restricted with your quarantines and shelters in place and just get in your car and go for a drive, even if it's for 30 <laughs> minutes, like please do that. <laughs> Anything. Get away Anything. for a little bit. Whatever you need. By yourself. Completely by yourself. All right, girls. Well, it was great to see you again it, it and was. talk to you. It was. And everybody listening, do not worry. We did not go anywhere. We're still here. <laughs> we are. It was so nice to see you guys again. So I just want to know, the inquiring minds want to know, what's on your brain these days, Melissa? You're talking about Mary Jane? Oh, <laughs> we're planning our trip to Colorado, so, you know. I know. And then I was like, what? Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? Then visit our website at dvmdivas.com or find us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Just look for at dvmdivas. We can also be reached by email at admin at dvmdivas.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. And while you're at it, rate, review, and share. Your online love really does help. And tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope. <laughs>